Good afternoon and good wherever you are, whatever time of day, wherever location. We're here today in our new location. We've been heavenly transported, transported to an altered state, a literally new state, whether it's naturally North Carolina or spiritually or figuratively, we've been altered by the Holy Spirit to be here. And we're so grateful, and we're so grateful to get out alive. I want to thank first the natural, normal people, if they're, you know, all colors in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, the ones without the spirit of religion, the one without the, you know, hacking Jesus' good name and trying to make money off it or fame and fortune. We had enough of that to left more than a lifetime. But it gave me so much of a reminder of how important it is to be natural, relatable, and real, authentic, and genuine in these days if you're a Christian, born again, no matter what your color. And also, we are trying to be diverse. I happen to be in a lot more diverse state before I moved to the way deep south in that location. That was far from diverse as far as I could see. A lot of different nations represented, but in general, the population where the Lord put me, I hate to use the word maybe stuck me, was to see the effect when it's not diverse and also to know Christians who don't have, you know, really understand how they can convey rejection, bias, and accusation just by plain ignorance or plain not wanting to get on the bandwagon, Holy Spirit bandwagon, and really be diverse, mixed, multicultural. You know, when I grew up, I grew up as a Southern Baptist preacher's daughter, happy daughter, respected daughter, you know, one woman man loved my mother as Christ loved the church, respected his mother, her mother, and us two daughters. But anyway, I learned that I can feel it when I'm not respected because I was grown up so respected like many others. So it's a perceiver thing. And that's why people who've had bias need respect right now from other nations, persecuted people groups, white, black, or brown, or tan, Native American, first people, you know what I mean? All these different First Nations people, all these things are out there that we have to really be more on guard. When I grew up, I thought of my dad because I thought in my former state prior to Texas, it turned out it was more a central rural region. It had a cosmopolitan teeny bit of flair, but I had also lived in Norfolk, Virginia Beach growing up, and it was a much more, the seaport was much more cosmopolitan, a mixture diverse back then, and then I moved to the central part, which is more rural country, and that's where I first learned about patriarch, you know, Levitical patriarchism, patriarchal ministry, the status quo hierarchy, because it, it wasn't there at first when I first was called a ministry, because I'm not a junior minister. I've been ministering since 87, really before that, but officially in public ministry full time since the mid 80s. And I had never heard of the doctrine, which I now name Western European Levitical patriarchism, which is otherwise known as shepherding, a controlling doctrine, a controlling teacher. And, you know, if you have a lot of people that are teaching on it and they're always looking, it seems to, you know, it, it evolved downward where they now watch for witches or, you know, talk about people if they don't like them because they don't have a lot of love. 
and they may label people without knowing them or respecting them. And so that's why I'm talking about it, because we're at the end times. And I'm saying this because in the days of decades, 20 years ago on, we did have this rural population that was maybe get an excuse to be ignorant. Maybe they were raised up under the law. Maybe they were all white and they never knew a black person or a tan person ever. And maybe they could be black, you know, and brown as well. We have to be, you know, understanding. But that was then, and this is now, this is not your mama's or daddy's Christian community or society. This is not the one kind of we are the world centric population of humans in the United States or anywhere. It is now much more multicultural, much more diverse, and we need to get off our high horses and our local religion and humble ourselves and be ready for relationships that are diverse in ministry and in the Christian community. What I see is from the days when my daddy would drive five miles out of town with the family in the car to go preach at Taylorsville Baptist Church in Ashland, Virginia, Doswell, Virginia, before King's Dominion made it big. I don't know what it's like now. We weren't rich, no, but we were wealthy in love and respect and loving people, accept, accepting them no matter what their color, their size, their style, or their denomination or lack thereof. Rich or poor, it didn't matter. It was the Christian love walk which really mattered and which now I talk about because I think of my dad who's up with the Lord as a silent witness. He wasn't a full of bravado or charisma, but he had a passion for pleasing God and for the lost. And there was a respect, a calm respect about him at home, privately, and in public, just but natural, approachable, walking around like servant leader, no flash, no fame, no candid, you know, cameras. And he loved my mother, who was a strong woman, very respectful couple. So anyway, that was then. So I grew up with the mind that you could call me, even though I love being in the cosmopolitan DFW, Charlotte area, Virginia Beach, cosmopolitan, Norfolk area, I like that freedom, They, you know, that big thinking, big thinking. I've lived a lot of my share of life, 30-some, 40-some years, in the rural, you could call them, as I'm looking at my dad, I'm picturing him in my mind driving out to that church. It was beautiful, a country church back then. And it was with big pine trees around it, as I recall. So you can say that I'm used to being amongst the Pineywood preachers. And then I was with them all the time on the East Coast, up and down, and Virginia, North Carolina, South, you know, Alabama, and once in a while, Florida. The, the grassroots, multicultural, not famous, but pleasing and famous to the Lord, most of them. And they were a lot more diverse. But now that was. 20, at least 25 years ago, because I've been in Dallas, where it wasn't like that. Basically, it was not real friendly or diverse, in my opinion, in the churches, the club. But it was more of an eye-opener for doctrine and religious participation versus relationship and holy fear of the Lord. So I came away with the knowledge that, you know what, it isn't now, there's probably barely a few 
a modicum of ministries who are actually called Punnywood's preachers. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. It sort of has good alliteration. I am a humorist and a word type person. But I'm thinking I used to be one, so I can say it. And, um, you know, with one. But he wasn't uneducated. He wasn't ignorant. He wasn't lax. But we experienced it because he actually taught and preached and wasn't famous in the woods that were way back then, not on a main road. And I dealt with people who were, you know, similar, but more, I guess you'd say spirit-filled tongue talkers when I was doing this prior to the last 15 years. Now, I was still with the people I was, that was my call really to mix with and mingle with out in Dallas. But DFW is a whole branch unto itself, a, a whole different type of Christianese that I had ever experienced in my life. I won't go there. It's like red state raw for the newbie, for the for the atypical visitor in ministry. <laughs> and it made me stronger because I had to go love on the Lord and he loved me back. And I had to learn about what real love is and what real is not in the saints. And what is a saint and what is an ain't? So I'm saying this to say to everybody, you know what? We better be ready. You got to be ready right now to be multicultural everywhere. There's no more isolated backwoods minister anymore. No leader, no Christian, because everybody's on their cell phone around the globe, spying out America, wanting to buy property and own the turf. And then they're already coming over. They've already started. And they're going to come even more and want to live and build their dream home in your part of the piney woods and set up their new subdivision or whatever, even a mosque. So you have to know that you're not going to be the white forever only one with a voice or only one with a politic view or only one with a faith. And we're going to have to learn, every one of us, when to be meek and mild like Jesus when he was an infant, sweet baby Jesus, turn the other cheek, walk the extra mile, and we're going to have to lay low like that and forgive unconditionally, not say a word, but just take the pain and you know, suck it up and go on for the sake of Jesus and his witness. And where we're going to have to hear from the Lord and then rise up, man up, human up and speak out and say something, even if you get blamed, because you're more like Jesus Christ when he grew up and was mature and adult and he tossed over the temple money changers tables and he didn't please even his own religious leaders of the day. So when I think of the word of the Lord, I would think, you know what? You better be ready to be in multicultural global ministry right now. And you can do that from your cell, from your house, from your networking with your neighbor in your yard who's from another nation or another land, so to speak. So you need to have your plan and being relationship ready is my field. Prayer protection is another field. If you want prayer protection, if you are mature and you really need more 
prayer covering and you don't know you know that many you can always write when you have an emergency or just send an sos to dfwleader at gmail.com i might keep that because i'm not sure exactly our plan we're going to always have a base and a relationship with dallas and we stand for dallas and we are for dallas and its ministries the christians but we have to say that we are not going to be accused any longer by phariseeism shepherding being a stereotyped lady woman minister we're not going to have chauvinism bias misogyny like i experienced like i had never had ever happened before and what caused me to remember my daddy how the opposite he was as a man and how i'd never met that from any black person in christ never had that disrespect and how it really must feel. What really got me was the chauvinism shepherding. <laughs> the, I don't know, like women are trouble or, you know, women are easily, they're the weaker vessel. So let's prey on them and let's be predators because that was some of the sick stuff, the caustic, toxic, certain parts, not all of them. Not the main ministers, but the ones who were out in the crowd that maybe took them off TV and did what they wanted with their doctrine and did damage to Jesus' name and their name too. That's why I speak out, because it ain't all that meets the eye with the followers of Christ out in the audience, which has been my turf around the land, and I respect the good ones. See, the healthy ones are why I'm speaking out, not to complain and be a critic, because all the Jezebel spires, all the, you know infants in ministry they're all looking for a reason a cause not to take accountability or responsibility and mature so what i'm saying is i'm speaking out god has had me speak out because he's had me since i was 24 40 some years to be out in the body of christ around the land led by the spirit different times with all the different races to understand their doctrine so that one day i could teach and build bridges of unity and I'm doing that now, but I'm saying for the sake of the good people, the honest people, the real good Christian, the great local leader, the great follower of Christ in ministry, we don't want your name being brought down or Jesus' name being maligned and mistrusted because of the other foul things in ministry that pass off as a minister and are not the real character, the real deal. It is that raw in certain parts of the United States. There's a lot of great quality, a lot of good quality, a lot of sort of normal quality, but where I've just come out of where God had sent me on, <laughs> who would have thought? That is what I would discover. But as a prophet, apostle, the Lord had taught me 25, 30 years ago. He said, I'm teaching you, if you see something once in my body that would hurt people, or twice, don't, you know, maybe it's you, maybe it's a fluke, whatever. Don't mention it. But if you see something three or more times, I want you to teach on it. So I am teaching on this because I've seen it a lot more than three or four times. You know, it's important to know when I was on the East Coast, it had certain doctrines came to town from the 80s and 90s, which made the formerly non-accusative Christian ministry and the small groups 
get this new Phariseeism, which was like keeping tabs and track of everybody in ministry and needing to be over them or putting rumors out, planning rumors that they were Jezebels or that they were not, that they were in rebellion to authority or not submitted, which is a huge deal back then. And I, you know, it's like, oh, my stars as a Baptist brought up Baptist. That is crazy-matic. That is not... That is not, that's patriarchal crazy-matic, which is shepherding, charismatic gone wild, too wild. So I started not knowing how to handle it because I'd never been around it. So that's what stirred and provoked the noble Berean early on. And then when I got accused and I got character assassinated and I got jumped in public, which I've written on, and it really, if you look at Ode to Whelp on the top of online fellowship US, you can see the fruit of wealth, and God had showed me 30 other people that happened the same thing because I met them. I just not because I wanted to, it's just God worked it out. Divine coincidence. One man and the rest were all females, all white. And this is not any dark skinned people that I know of that did this. So I had been accused at one point not confronted, never confronted a Galatians 6, one Matthew 18.15 style. That's why I teach on that, but instead robbed of that, disrespected, you know, which is a principle. These are principles, not complaints that you need to know as teachers and followers, you should expect to have happen. But I had this one board member, I had several board members that people like board members that were more like family and and they were family, but these were not family officially. These were like real leaders and so forth that I would get advice to on different topics. So I had one board member who's up in heaven now, Dr. Johnny Jones of Keisha Ministry, African-American, really sweet, very smart, four real earned degrees. And he had been, turned out, to this ongoing pastor's meeting of the area back then. The leadership of the local area, basically smaller churches, you know, they had no mega churches back then. And he came back because I'd been character assassinated and accused of evil things, jumped in public without being confronted. And he shared with me because I called him up to tell him what went on. He said, you know, that same pastor, I go to those meetings and he comes all the time telling everybody in the group, the pastor's group, that that person's a witch or that person's a witch or that person. And these are, you know, tongue talker, charismatic people. And I went, oh, my gosh. So it's nothing new under the sun. But I'm telling you, and I'm speaking out that plainly to let's clear up and make Jesus Christ a safe place to fellowship his people. Back to multicultural, I keep thinking of Mahatma Gandhi today. You know, Mahatma Gandhi was one who was a famous pacifist leader in India. And he had a quote that is very famous, and it says, it really bothers me when I have to tell it because it's so sad. He said, I might have been a Christ follower had I not met too many of his followers. I might have been a Christian had I not met too many of his Jesus followers. And it turned out that one day when Mahatma Gandhi was trying to discover the Lord, he was seeking, he went to go to a Christian church to try it out, but they wouldn't let him in because his skin was too dark. 
And as a result, he never made it. And as a result, all these people that he, you know, influenced followed him. And I'm very concerned right now and even upset that we cannot be more well respectful of all kinds of males and females, no matter what their politics, no matter what their lifestyle, no matter what their their challenges are, no matter what their beliefs are, whether it's Muslim or Buddhist or Hindu or pagan or atheist or Christian or legalist or tongue talker or not. The reason is people are really good at perceiving and discerning what you're feeling or projecting in your heart toward them, about them. And I say if they've been abused before, if they've been cursed out before, if they've been had persecution for their looks or their beliefs or from other nations, they, their perceiver discerner is heightened and even more aware and able to pick up like a Geiger counter your disrespect or your respect or love. So my biggest weapon when I love people is when I'm sent, all I do is first want to respect them. All I first is say, you know what, that person is LG, you know, gay might be or Buddhist or not a churchgoer or a churchgoer, black or brown or young or old and male or female. And you know what, I don't want to I don't know where they've come from. I don't know what kind of life they've had that caused them to think this way, turn out this way. They don't know what I've been through either, but I think I don't want to be the one that the first one. I don't want to be one more Christian who's going to beat them down if you're if their dad did or quote the book like their mama did or tell them they're a failure for not being exactly perfect or whatever. And I don't want to be Jesus, some bigot saying, oh yeah, you're no good because I'm a Christian and you're not. So my biggest concern is this, that we can't even love people silently and show them real respect for the office of every human made in God's image. If anything, that's what I've come out of the last 15 years that has made me so on a soapbox. Equal opportunity equal opportunity, real respect for the office of every human made in God's image, be it the highest office in the nation, our president, on down to the person who has no title and no job and no house. And so since I've been among the car dwellers and I've been among the mansion dwellers and I've been with everyone almost in between, stayed in people's houses with different skin colors than mine, had house guests that were from Muslim nations, Arab nations, because of the Holy Spirit. And every one of these people I admire, and every one of these people are made in God's unique, tailor-made earth suit and fashion. And because I'm not going to be their God, I'm going to hear them out and see what's on their heart. If the Lord opens the door, then I will certainly say something about Jesus bring his name into the conversation, but I will not browbeat, Bible beat down or Bible thump or persecute them again if they've already been through H. I had an LGBT, a gay man, apply to be a transcriber 
when I lived in Murphy, Texas, you know, about 11 years ago or 12 years ago, and I didn't know who it was. I thought a woman was going to show up because we corresponded on email. So I met him at a coffee shop, and there's this rotund individual with a Hawaiian shirt on, I'll never forget, and he comes over, and I can, you know, sense that he might be homosexual. So I wanted to hear God on the how to do it, and he, I said to him, I said, well, um, you know, this is a Christian ministry. Are you a Christian? And he said, I used to be. So I that got my attention quick. I wanted to find out why, because I have been out. I'd been out where a lot of people were really hypocrites. A lot of really people rough that said they were Christian were not really true, or they were really, I don't know, angry, or they were really, I don't know, not really loving at all. So I was concerned for him, but I was also, you know, wanting to hear what he had to say on his mind, his opinion. So he said, well, I used to be. I said, well, why did you used to be? He said, well, I used to be a Catholic up in Michigan, and I used to go to a Catholic school, and my parents were really big in an industry up there, and I had a lot of money, and they donated huge to the Catholic Church. Now, the parents are dead. I'm not telling tales. So he said... Well, one day when I was in junior high, the priest started to rape me and he raped me every day. He raped me for four years. And when I finally told my father, the Catholic donor, his father started to rape him. So this is the Christian that this man, this gentleman knew, the Christian that did these kind of things twice, two different ones. So then he leaves and he goes to the to California where he bakes delicious food for the hospices, the dying people of AIDS, which is so compassionate. He meets and his partner, and then they move to Murphy, where they're going where I met him, where they're gonna build their dream house. And they're there because they want to take care of the partner's older parents. I mean that's good fruit. So then when the Christian, quasi-Christian contractor runs off with their money for their dream house, she says, oh, I'll pray for you. So these are the Christians that have walked through this man's life, this young man's life. Then when he's working at different jobs, people leave tracks pointedly on his desk. So there's not a lot of great knowledge of how to love people and this person had gone to the bible himself it really he cracked me up he i interviewed him for my show he really was smart and made me laugh that he was so good because i really respect it got me on fire for real respect is because so many of the people that were hindu not christian were more passionate and on fire for their cause like lgbt than i would meet with the christian who is a compromiser Really? So I'm just saying, you know, be either hot or cold, or Jesus is going to spew you out of his mouth. And I'm admiring and respecting people who happen to be hot for their cause, passionate for their cause. At least they're not lukewarm. So when I interviewed this per person who is very gifted, very talented, very smart, and kin to the royalty of England, <laughs> really, he's really good, smart. He had researched the Bible. 
And he told me this, which always will stick in my mind. He said, I researched the Bible and there are 333 verses, I believe that's the amount, that warn you against the heterosexual and only nine that warn you against the homosexual. Hey, that's pretty creative, you know, pretty good. So the next part is, he said, he told me, he's the first one that raised my attention to the scripture in Ezekiel. You can re-Google this to get the exact quote. But if you, you need to Google the sins of Sodom. So when I Googled the sins of Sodom, I was shocked. You got to read them. The church is practicing practically the sins of Sodom. They neglected the poor. They were proud. I mean, all these things were like at ease. Man, you got to see. So this person, this man, this gentleman was quite at least willing to work on it. So what happened was him, we tried to, you know, it didn't work out because he had the, you know, he'd been through hell. He'd really been through hell and I admired him, but he had great issues with his language and his he would say the F word too much. <laughs> and I had been through abuse and that F word was used toward me. And that spirit of the F word would really bother me. So it didn't work out. But I admired his passion for standing up. I hope he met the Lord, the real Lord, not, you know, forced to, but knew him for his, so, you know, I pray for him, love him. So there are many reasons there, you know, the old story, remember years ago, maybe it's on repeats, they had this black and white detective show it's called the naked city it says there are eight million about new york it says there are eight million stories in the naked city and this has been one of them well i think that's one of the eight you know many billions of stories out there that we don't even know what people have been through when they come through the door of your house your business your store your life the starbucks you don't know who's riding in the car next door, sitting in the car that you give a lift. You have no clue, and that's my point. If anything, that's my God point. We need to treat them with respect, more respect for the office of the human made in God's image. If we disagree, we disagree with James 3.17, respect as well. That's why I can love people not want to push my God on him, but let me share about the Lord. Let the witness of the Holy Spirit do the work for it, you know, for himself. But I'm going to say for the Christian to hold ourselves accountable to abiding under ministry, under personal self-government, self-control in James 3.17 form that any wisdom that represents coming from above, James 3.17, any wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And to the best of my ability, I am like that. I've always been like that. If I fall off the horse and get on, it's very rare. But I do it with God's mercy and to be a witness. And I ask him for his mercy to keep on being like that. So God is good. His mercy endures. He loves you. But let's keep on passing the flame of real respect God bless you. Bye-bye.